0: Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Hey, well, it's good to be here with you today, and we are in part two of our Summer Fruit series. And as Ryan said, it's just uh, a good chance for our pastors to get some uh, R&R, which we all need from uh, time to time. I was kind of reflecting before I came up here yesterday, and I was thinking back to where I was, you know, 37 years ago. Uh, I was 19 years old. I had rejected uh, my parents' religion, I had rejected the church. I had run as hard and fast from that as I possibly could. Um, I had been just doing whatever I wanted to, living a, a lifestyle of just partying. And when I was 18 years old, I had this encounter with God, which I'm not gonna take time to go into, but I had this encounter with God, and as a result of that encounter with God, I had this wrestling match going on between Him and me. There was like a tug of war. And uh, I eventually just became so miserable trying to fight God that I said, okay, God, you know what, I've gotta surrender. But to me in my mind, and this was wrong, I thought that accepting Jesus as my Lord and becoming part of a church was like I was dying. I guess I was, but I mean, I was dying, you know, like I'm going to my own funeral, like these people are boring. There's no fun at church. Like, I don't like this. Now, of course, that wasn't true, but that's what I was thinking. And so I remember I I went down on August 3rd, 1980. I walked down to the altar where this East L.A., former gangbanger, heroin addict who'd been radically delivered. Pastor Omar Enricus, who's now in heaven, preached the gospel. I don't remember what he said with that thick accent a whole lot, but I just remember at the end, he just said, if you're here today and you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ, then raise your hand right now. And I say, praise the Lord, brother. No, I didn't say anything. I just said, okay, that's me. I need Jesus. And so I prayed, and I remember I went home that night, and my dad you know, asked me, goes, do you feel any different? And I said, I don't feel any different. And I realized when we make a decision, we do it by faith. And so three days later, my older brother was getting ready to go to Bible school in a few weeks, and he sat down with me in, in my parents' backyard. We were in the jacuzzi, and he said, hey, Grim, do you know what happened to you when you prayed? And I said, well, I accepted Jesus as my Lord. And he said, yeah, I know, but do you know what it means? And so he began to not proclaim, but explain the gospel. Took about an hour, went back to the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, and began to talk about that. And as he did, you know, something just kind of clicked. Like a light switch went on, and I suddenly understood that I had eternal life. I suddenly understood what my salvation meant, at least at a certain level. And when that light went on, There was this unquenchable, uncontainable, unstoppable, as Peter would say, joy unspeakable and full of glory. The joy of my salvation, the joy of the kingdom of Jesus Christ literally invaded my space and all of a sudden I was happy, as the old hymn says, all the day. And I mean, I can remember being where I worked and these people worked with me for a few years. They knew me. I was a warehouseman at a nursery chain and, you know, I was in the break room and I'm Got my Bible open. We didn't have digital Bible, so a real Bible was open, you know, and I'm reading it. And I'm going, oh my gosh. And I'm just laughing. And they're like, what's up with you? And I'm like, I don't know, man, but it's Jesus. And you know, that's been 37 years ago, and I've gone through some good times and bad times. But I can tell you this that that joy has never abandoned me. And here's what I know when I drive the car, and I've been driving a car since I was 15. No matter how many years I've been driving it, I've always got to check my dashboard. I've always got to look at the gas gauge. Lord knows, I've always got to look at the speedometer because I always want to go way faster than my wife or the law will allow me to go. But I want to. Thank God for cruise control. You know, one of the things that we need to pay attention to in our spiritual dashboard is joy. So where are you this morning with joy? Is your, is your joy full? Is it kind of real low ebbing? Do you, are you at a place where you're saying, hey, you know what? I really don't even feel any joy whatsoever. We need to pay attention to the joy that's in our life. And so today, I'm gonna to be honest with you. I'm really not content to just get up here and talk to you about joy so that you can know a little bit more about it, kind of say, okay, I know that. My prayer is that you will experience this joy that I'm talking about today. I want you to walk out with an experience. I want you to encounter God today. And so we're going to go right to the well of where we draw from this joy. And it's found in Galatians chapter five, verse 22. And it says these words, but the spirit produces the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law that says these things are wrong. So here's the thing. We have the fruit of the spirit here, Produced and manufactured by him, not us. And here's the main thing I want us to catch today. It's simply this fruitfulness doesn't come by being busy, but by being with Jesus. Just let that sink in for a second. Now, what is joy? And why am I asking that? Because when you ask people what joy is, they're very confused. They've heard a lot of different things. Listen to this quote by John Piper. If you have nice little categories for joy is what Christians have and happiness is what the world has, you can scrap those when you go to the Bible because the Bible is indiscriminate in its use of the language of happiness and joy and contentment and satisfaction. So if you've read or Googled and you hear things like joy is sacred and happiness is secular, it's just not biblical. Now, if you know me, you know that I like the beach. And one of the things that I enjoy at the beach is I enjoy watching the sunset at the beach. And if I just came back, let's say, from the beach last night, let's say I was at Malibu and I was watching the sunset and I came here and I said, man, you should have seen that sunset. It was so breathtaking and stunning and awesome and beautiful. You can't imagine how gorgeous it was. How many of you know, I just used about five or six different words, but didn't I just say the same thing? So when people are asked what joy is? They go, well, I don't know. It could be. Uh, it's not happiness. No, no. Listen to this. Let me give you one example, and there are many more. But in Esther chapter eight verse sixteen, it says this: For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honor. So we have the same word being used again and again and again. Now, I remember about twenty years ago, I was sitting listening to a gentleman by the name of Dr. Jack Hayford, brilliant theologian and pastor of Church on the Way for many years. And when this guy sneezed, he could say more in one sneeze than I could say in a year. He was just so brilliant, you know? And I remember he was talking to a group of us pastors, and he began to quote 1 Timothy in a couple of passages in there, and he said, it says he is the blessed God. He said, but that's more accurately translated in our language, the happy God. I thought, really? God, are you really happy? The happy God? Well, think about it for a second. Do you seriously think that God is depressed this morning? How many think he's morose, sorrowful? How many think he's bummed out? The truth is, he's happy. Like, I'm here to announce today that God is in a very, very good mood. He's happy. And you're his target. So he's the happy God. Now, if you don't believe me, let's just take another passage here. Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known the path of life to me. Complete joy is in where? Your presence. Fullness of joy, overflowing joy is in the presence of God. And I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, if you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get in the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. They're not the sort of prize which God could, if he chose, just hand out to anyone. In other words, you can't separate God from joy or happiness or gladness. And if you get close to Him, it's going to get on you. You know, years ago, when I was in high school, every so often, we'd kind of get the itch to go to the beach on a sunny day. And so, of course, we didn't ask for permission because it would have been no, so we just ditched. Kids, plug your ears. We went to the beach, and you're out there throwing a football and a frisbee and swimming all day, and you come home, and your mom says, what happened to you? And you're like, what? What happened to me? Because, guys, if you're my age, we didn't have sunblock in those days. Nobody was using sun. In fact, we might have been tanning with copper tone, you know. And I'd come back summer and i go, oh, I just got a little too much sun at school, Mom. <laughs> Do you know I didn't even know that was happening to me? Do you know I can look out here and tell who loves AC more than the outdoors? Because those of you that outdoors a lot, you've got a real strong tan going right now. And those of you that are like me, you're hanging out inside that AC. And, you know, you don't have to try and get a tan when you're out in the sun. It just happens. You know what? When you get in the presence of the sun, joy the, the joy of the Lord just gets all over yeah. you. There's really nothing hard about it. So he wants us to be full of joy. So John 15, declares the will of God for us. It says, I have said these things to you so that my joy will be in you and that your joy will be complete. So Jesus just said to us that he wants our joy to be complete. And he said, that's why I told you all this. So what I want to do is I want to back the truck up and find out what he just told us. So let's go to verse one of that chapter. He says these words. I am the real vine and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I've spoken to you. So Jesus is saying, hey, I'm a, it's a grapevine illustration. I'm the trunk, I'm the vine. All you sitting out there, you're the branches the heavenly father, he's the farmer, the gardener. Now here's what I love about this. When I was growing up, we had grapevines in our backyard, but they never looked like the grapes at the store. And here's why. Nobody was pruning them. Nobody paid attention. Listen, God is all about watching over you. He's fully invested in you, maximizing your potential and your fruit in this lifetime. And he's currently and actively working on you night and day even when you sleep God's at work on your behalf what to see you step into that purpose and produce that fruit that only you can produce God is all about you let's go on to verse four live in me make your home in me just as I do in you in the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself but only by being joined to the vine you can't bear fruit unless you're joined with me so I'm the vine you're the branches when you're joined with me and I with you the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Now, has anybody ever been like me where you read this, abide in me and let me abide in you? Ever just read that and kind of go, what, what is that? What are you talking about? I've read it so many times for years, I still come back to it and go, are you sure? What, what are you talking about here? What does he mean, live in me? He's talking about living in a deep friendship, a deep fellowship, a communion, unbroken, right? Now this is true of any relationship you have. It could be your BFF, could be your spouse. But coming up on the 24th of this month, I will have been married 34 years to this lovely lady sitting on the front row called Lori. That's right. You give her a shout out. That's all right, I'm okay with that. Woo-hoo! Things go better for me at home when you clap for her. Okay, I'm just saying. So we made this vow before God and before witnesses, and you know we we're joined together. 34 years is a while, right? Can I tell you that our marriage is is better today than it's ever been, And, and we're enjoying it, but do you know what makes marriage rich or your friendship rich? It's the level of fellowship or communication that you've got going on with one another. That's what adds richness to it, and that's what this passage is talking about. It's talking about being in fellowship with God, if you will, and sometimes if you're like me, you think, hey, the way to produce fruit is just to try harder, do more stuff, be more active, But this kind of fruit doesn't come by trying harder. It comes by being with Jesus. And so here's what I know. When my refrigerator isn't plugged into the power, it doesn't do what it's supposed to. When my blender isn't plugged into the power, it does not do what it's supposed to. It just stares back at me. When you and I are not plugged into the power, we can't produce anything on our own. That's just the bottom line. So let's go on to verse seven. But make yourselves at home with me and my words at home in you. You can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. So he's taking this a step further. I think what he does here is he begins to sort of expand on what it really means to live in him and let him live in you because he begins now to talk not just about living in him, but he's saying, now let my words, my words live in you. What is he saying? Begin to practice my words. Begin to let them become part of your life. So the first thing is, he's talking about living in him and fellowship with him. Here's what I know. When I'm not in the presence of my wife, it's hard for us to have a conversation. But let's just say by chance that my wife was tethered to me 24-7 and available 24-7 to talk whenever I felt like it. We'd have a lot more fellowship, wouldn't we? And here's the thing. God said in his word, I will never leave you or, what, forsake you. I'm with you to the end of the age. I'll never let go of your hand. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and God lives where? Do you know what God's address is? I know sometimes we don't feel like he's with us, right? Let's be honest. Do you ever have a moment where you, you ever say these words? Because I certainly have. God, where are you? He's like, Graham, where are you? What's your address? Because I'm, I'm where you are. I'm in you. I'm with you all the time. But see, I'm not always aware of it. Now, there was a, a well-known monk by the name of Brother Lawrence in the 17th century. He wrote a number of letters that were put into a book simply titled, The Practice of the Presence of God kind of says it all he learned that he could practice being in the presence of God by faith in other words cultivate this awareness that God was with him at all times and he began to have this intimate fellowship with God and I would say that we can do the same thing and listen to what Romans 12 one says it says so here's what I want you to do God helping you take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping and eating going to work walking around life and place it before God as an offering embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. So what I love about that is He's saying, hey, you know, just as you do life, make God part of it. Moms, when you're raising your kids. Dads, when you're mowing the lawn. Students, when you're going to school, doing your homework, when you're, you know, with your coworkers, when you're out there in that favorite hobby, whatever you're doing, He's saying, bring God along, make Him part of it. I don't mean you have to be ultra spiritual, okay? But there's just kind of like this awareness that starts to develop with the presence of God. And as you're aware of Him, you begin to just naturally talk more and more and more to Him. I love what Dallas Willard says. He says, don't seek to develop a prayer life. Seek a praying life. That's a very subtle difference in that statement, if you don't catch it. A prayer life is limited. It is limited to a specific time and a specific place. I'm not against that. But a life of prayer is unlimited. It goes with me throughout the day. It says a prayer when I'm at the BMV. It says a prayer when I'm over here doing this, doing that, Lord, help me here. Not every prayer has to be paragraphs long. It can just be, Lord, help me. So he says, stay joined to me and then let my teachings become part of you. So how do you let God's teachings become part of you? the first thing is you got to memorize at least some key scriptures. And when God deals with us, he's going to try to speak through his word. That's where he'll start. So if he wants to produce something in you, he's going to plant his word. Now, here's the thing. You've got to know his word. You've got to take some time, guys, to memorize the word. You're like, you don't know me. I can't memorize anything. Really? You can't? What's your name? What's your cell number? What's your email address? What's your address? Your social security? No, these are things that you've repeated enough. I'm not saying you have to know the Bible, but if God wants you to have joy and you just took one scripture on joy, that would be a seed that would plant that has the ability to reproduce in your life. So let's just take a look at Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, always be joyful in the Lord. Being written by an apostle who's in prison right now. Always be joyful in the Lord. In case you think I've lost my mind, I'm gonna say it again. Be joyful or full of joy. So how in the world can you and I be joyful at all times? I mean, seriously, does he really mean like we're supposed to be joyful during the good, the bad, and the ugly in life? Yes, he does. He does, he means that. So, but how do you do that? You know what I found out? Not all of life is a lot of fun. But if I can learn to see my situation through his eyes, from his perspective, it doesn't change my circumstance instantly overnight, but it changes my response to my circumstance. For instance, if I'm going through a tough time and I know that the Bible wants me to be joyful even in that tough time, how do I do that? Well, I have to be aware of him and then I have to be aware of some truth. How about this truth? Most of you know this, Romans 8, 28. And we know, what do we know? That God works all things to our good. Why does he do that? Because you love him, because you're called according to his purpose. So if God is working all things to your good, what does that mean? That means that everything that's happening last week and today and will happen next week, everything that's come into your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, God is going to make them, I don't know how he does it because he's strategic, but he's going to make them serve his will and his purpose in your life somehow. And what is that? That you might be transformed into the image of his dear son, as the next verse says. In other words, that stuff that's coming against us can make us more like Jesus. And when I have God's perspective, I always have a reason to have joy. I always have a reason for hope. I always have a reason to be peaceful and full of faith when I have God's perspective. I can remember years ago, When I was a worship leader and associate pastor, the lead pastor went on vacation. And I remember right when he went on vacation, like the next day I got served with a million-dollar lawsuit. And then I had a couple of people in the church that were kind of like fighting, you know. How many you know not all God's kids play nice? Uh They were fighting one another. And when one of them thought that I should lay the hammer down on this other person, you know, and I didn't, well, then they turned on me tried to get me fired, ruin my reputation, and so on. Now, i got to tell you, I wasn't feeling extremely joyful. I wasn't like, I'm happy. (laughs) I wasn't. But you know what? I said, okay, i got to take this situation to God because this is going to be a process. And you know what I did? I just began to worship the Lord. I just began to worship Him. I began to talk to Him. And you know what? Eventually, He began to talk to me. And He gave me His perspective. Now, it took a whole year for His perspective to come to pass, but you know what? I didn't trip during that year that it took that to come to nothing. Why? Because I saw what God was doing, that he was gonna use it. So listen, we're gonna have stuff come our way. I'm not talking about being in denial here. Do you get that? This isn't about being in denial. But this is about the ability to go through all kinds of stuff with the joy of the Lord because that is the will of God for us. Let's go to John 15, verse eight. It says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Guys, who gets the glory out of the fruit produced in us? Father, why? Can I just ask you a question? Do trees produce fruit for themselves to eat? Or is fruit always produced for someone else? When you have love and joy and peace and all those things growing in you, guess who you are? You're salt and you're light. And you rub up against somebody, and some of that salt, you're not Debbie Down or you're full of joy. That salt just gets over on those people you're rubbing up against, and they get a flavor of the kingdom of heaven and they go, Oh, God might just be good, He might just be amazing. The fruit points back to the one who produced it. So it gives glory to God. Can I just give you an illustration? So what have we just said here today? We have just said that living in Him means talking to God and having God talk to you or having a conversation with God. And then the second part of what we talked about is the fact that we allow His sayings, His words, His teachings to become part of the fabric of our life. We practice it. We live it out. Now, what's the result of that? I want to tell you a story that I recently heard Um, there was a lady by the name of Danielle Strickland. She works for the Salvation Army on the West Coast. And she's a social justice uh, specialist. But a number of years ago, she was living in Australia doing the same thing. And their job was really to crack into the brothels and help these girls that were trapped in those places. But it wasn't easy, and here's why. Because in Australia, the sex industry is legalized. So they couldn't figure out how to get in. And she goes, it's kind of weird. Like you walk down the street, it's 7-Eleven, dry cleaners, and then a brothel and it's legal. She can't get in, and they're scratching their head going, how can we do this, Lord? And one day she gets a call, and it's this little retired lady, a little Baptist lady by the name of Jan. And she said, I'm calling you because you're a friend of my daughter's, and she said, you would know what to do. She said, I have a little story to tell you. She said, I live in a neighborhood where there's a brothel, and my phone number is only two numbers different than theirs. So I'm getting calls all the time, from these Johns, you know, looking for the lovely ladies and they're getting grandma, Jan, you know what I'm saying? And she's like, hey, this is messing me up and it's messing my day up. So she's like, that's it, I've had enough of this, no more brothel calls, I'm going to the phone company tomorrow and change my number, I've had enough of this. So she's sitting down that morning reading her Bible and right in the middle of reading her Bible, God speaks to her and he says, hey Jan, why are you changing your phone number? Guys, this is a little insight, in case you don't know this. Whenever God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's not. He knows. He's about to do something. She said, well, Lord, you know, it's just messing our days up. It's really annoying. He goes, I know about the calls. Why are you changing your number? And that's all he said. Now she has this distinct impression she shouldn't do this because God's saying don't. But what in the world am I going to do? What the heck am I going to do with it now? Just be nicer? No. That's why I'm talking to you. So they have this coffee. She goes, you're the specialist. Tell me what to do. And she's thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell you. But she's like, on the outside, I'm really cool. She's like, okay, so Jan, so tell me more about this. You know, it's kind of like that professional thing, right? So they keep talking. And finally, she has this question. She goes, Jan, can I ask you a question? If somebody in your neighborhood was in trouble or if somebody just moved into your neighborhood, what would you do? She goes, oh, that's easy. I'd bake some cupcakes and just go over and introduce myself. She said, That's it. That's what we need to do. She said, Let's meet here next Tuesday. You bake the cupcakes, because I can't do that. You bake the cupcakes, and then we'll go to this brothel together. And so they meet up, they pray. And right when they're about to go, Jan goes, Hey, Danielle, um, God spoke to me again today. And he said, I'm supposed to do this by myself. And she's like, Hey, hold on a second now. She's thinking, I don't want to lose this little lady here. She's like, Hey, Jan. You know, with all due respect, I'm the professional here. You're not. She goes, I know you're the professional. She goes, but I'm the neighbor. What does the Bible teach about your neighbor? Love your neighbor. As you love who? Yourself. So she goes, Can I at least walk behind you and just be a prayer cover, prayer support for you? She's like, I'm just praying prayers. Oh, God, protect her. Don't let her die in the brothel. You know, all this stuff. And it's like. So she said, literally, this little grandma, retired grandma, walks up the steps of this Asian brothel, shaking. And the manager's like, okay, she doesn't look like my normal clientele. Something's up here. She's lost. He opens the door. He goes, can I help you? And she's like, I have cupcakes. Like, she's just so nervous. She's like, I got cupcakes. He's like, oh. He goes, oh, well, come on in then, <laughs> right? Brings her in, like kind of like Trojan horse, right? Brings her in, and she goes around, meets all the girls there, Learns their names, gives them all cupcakes. Says, I'm, by the way, I'm your neighbor. I'm so sorry it took me so long to get here. I'll see you guys next Tuesday. I would say she walked out of that brothel, but she kind of floated out of that brothel. And Danielle said, that's it. That's the key. That's the key. Do you know in Australia, Her group of people today visit 68 brothels every week in 12 different cities. They've brought down sex trafficking rings. They've witnessed before the Australian parliament. Can I tell you where that all started? That started with a little grandma who was good at baking But who was living in him, you know, talking to God, and God was talking to her, and who was allowing the teachings of Jesus and the sayings of Jesus to become a part of the fabric of her life, like just loving her neighbor. And what's the result of that? That's called fruit. Who got the glory out of that? Our Heavenly Father. Guys, this is not that hard. It's not rocket science. God put the cookies of joy on the bottom shelf for his kids, guys. Come on, I mean, I keep thinking about, I don't even know, like, uh, I have a daughter-in-law in Arizona, not in Ohio, who is expecting a baby on November 27th, so none of you ask my daughter-in-law, Kristen, if she's pregnant. So, and I keep imagining, what would that be like? But I guarantee you, we all, we already know it's a girl, I've never had a girl before, I am a sucker for girls, I am a pushover. I mean, my wife is taking away my credit card so I can't hand them to a three year old. And it's like, and I'm kind of thinking, you know what? I'm the kind of grandpa that's going to put the cookies on the bottom shelf for that little girl. But he's way better than I am. I mean, like, way better. Way better. So, guys, God's will is for us to have fruit, a lot of it. And one of the fruits that He wants us to have is joy. And just this morning, I want to say something to you guys as we close here today. When I prepared this message, I distinctly felt that there were going to be some people here and I want to specifically talk to you. Some of you have literally, through the circumstances of life, you've literally had joy just robbed from you. You're here today and if you're honest about it, you're like, I've got, I've got like zero on a meter. I've got like zero joy in my life. I've been robbed. I've been ripped off through the circumstances of life. And you know what? I want to pray for you in a second because my prayer for you, I believe God's going to answer it, which is that he's going to restore unto you the joy of your salvation, the joy of his kingdom. And some of you here, I know some of you here, you've become so busy just doing life. You're so busy doing life that you've stopped being plugged into the power source. You've been unplugged. And today, I just want to encourage you to come and put your feet back in that water. Get back in the presence of God. You don't have to work this stuff up, guys. You don't work it up. I don't work it up. It just comes by being with him. And finally, I just, I know in my heart that there are some wounded warriors in this place. Some of you that have loved Jesus for a short while. Some of you have loved him for a long time but you've got some hurts and you've got some wounds and you've got some devastating things that have happened to you. And I know you're here today. And I'm not trying to embarrass you or sing you out, but I just want you to know God knows you're here. God's seen everything that's happened and he's got his eyes on you. And I believe that today I have a word from heaven for you. And it's right out of the scripture. Psalm 30 verse five says this, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Listen to this, this is for you. This is your promise today. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. That's not talking about a literal night or a literal morning. It's it's a spiritual metaphor that means that there are times in our life where, even though we love God, incredibly horrendous things can happen and hit us. And we're hit with this great wave of sorrow. This message isn't about being in denial. No, when we're in that place of sorrow, we need to get healed up. And God is the healer, not just physical healer. He's the healer of every part of me and every part of you. But here's another thing. I don't know anyone. I don't think you know anyone outside of our Heavenly Father. There's no one that can stop the sun from rising tomorrow morning. There's no one that can do that. That sun is coming up, like it or not, it's on its way. It's on its way. Nothing can stop it. Here's the word for you. You're in that place today. You're in a place of pain. Joy's coming in the morning. God wants you to know there's nothing that can stop his joy from rising back up in your heart that's been heavy and invading your life. He's going to do that for you. Let's pray. Father, you know all of us in this place better than we know ourselves. You have every hair on our head cataloged even the ones we lost. You know what we're thinking right now. Father, you're intimately acquainted with every detail of our lives. But more than that, you delight in us. You love us with an incredible love. And today, we just let our guard down and we just let you love us. We just open our hearts and we say, God, We receive what you have for us. We receive your joy. I'm praying for those people that have been wounded and that have a heavy heart in here today. Lord, would you pour the oil of joy, the oil of gladness into that wound. Turn their mourning into dancing. Turn their sorrow into joy by your oil of gladness, Father. Heal them. Restore the joy of their salvation. Let your morning of joy arise in their life right now. Let the night begin to dissipate and let the the light that comes from the Son of the living God begin to change their situation. Because Jesus, we want to just say this morning, here, you are the champion. You are the one whose presence turns the tide in every battle. And as our champion, we invite you into our circumstances. We invite you into our problems. We invite you into the situations that have tried to knock us down and keep us pinned to the ground. We say, come, Lord Jesus. Thank you for doing that. Some of you here, you've been listening to this message today, and you're like, you know, I hear what you're saying about joy, but if I'm honest with you, I'm not even sure that I really know God. I know about Him, but I'm not really sure that I know Him. But I'd like to have this joy you're talking about. I'd like to have this salvation, this eternal life. I want you to know if that's you today, you can have it. You can reach out and take it. It's as close as your heart that's that's beating in your chest right now and as close as your mouth. And the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise, that's a guarantee for you. The same one that many of us in this room have stepped out on, that promise. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready today to say yes to following Jesus. I'm ready today to give my life to Him And let him be Lord of my life. Then I want you to do something with me today. I want you to pray a very simple prayer. And I want you to know that while you're praying, I want you to know that God is listening. Church, can you help me pray this? If that's you and you want to pray, just simply say these words right now. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, that you rose from the dead. I call on you now. Save me. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive my sins. Today, I make a decision to follow you all the days of my life. Amen. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, I want you to know that God heard you, that all of heaven is rejoicing. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast.